Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 95.7 The Game's John Dickinson has been with the Warriors every day throughout the championship era. Half-court, the Warriors start to celebrate. The one-time darlings are now a dynasty. And now, he brings you the latest scoops on the back-to-back champs. He's looking good to go. And exclusive player interviews. What's up, Dub Nation? It's your boy, Stephen Curry. This is Warriors Weekly on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, John Dickinson. And welcome in Warriors Weekly Podcast for 95.7 The Game. I am John Dickinson, and I am with you today uh, as we get this thing tipped off. Uh, and I'll be with you for the next uh, few weeks, really, throughout the, the course of the remainder of the regular season and the playoffs, uh, bringing you uh, Warriors interviews and analysis, not only from myself, but the players and the coaches for the Golden State Warriors, as well as other 95-7 The Game personalities. So it's an absolute blast and pleasure to get this thing rolling here as the Warriors have 19 games to go as this pod drops, sitting at 44-19 and atop the Western Conference and very close to the overall best record in the NBA as the goal of the Golden State Warriors, obviously, to complete the three-peat of feet that hasn't been done uh, since the early 2000s when the Los Angeles Lakers won in the year 2000, 2001, and then 2002 with Kobe and Shaq and and Phil Jackson uh, and those guys. So this podcast is going to be all about opinions, uh, analysis, and interviews. Uh, And we're also going to mix in uh, segments with 95.7 personalities as well. Uh, But this week, the focus will be about the Warriors with 19 games to go. We're also going to be joined by Mike Brown, Warriors associate head coach, uh, the number two man in charge right next to Steve Kerr on the Golden State Warriors bench. So he's going to join me coming up here uh, in about seven, eight minutes uh, on the podcast. And again, the goal here each and every week is going to be to talk to a Warriors player, going to be to talk to a Warriors uh, coach, uh, and, and just get their thoughts on everything going on with this team down the stretch of the regular season and on into the playoffs as the Warriors prepare themselves, obviously, for another deep, deep run. 19 games to go, as I mentioned the Celtics, Nuggets, and Suns in at Oracle this week. And then it's another roadie after that, and a tough one. And the beginning with the opponent, uh, and at the end uh, with the nature of the scheduling, uh, as the Warriors did get a big win in Philadelphia 
uh, over the weekend that, that washed away some of the bad taste of uh, Miami uh, and Orlando, where the Warriors lost consecutive games in those two cities for the first time since 2010. So you have to go way back uh, for the Warriors to experience uh, a couple of losses like that down in South Florida, even uh, as the team grew uh, to become uh, what they are now today, uh, were were they not necessarily losing both of those games in in Miami and Orlando and dropping consecutive games for the first time in the calendar year 2019 after doing so late uh, in 2018 in December uh, at uh, Oracle Arena. So the schedule is going to be tough. And a good test for the Warriors, who again, I think, showed that they're, they enjoy playing in the tougher environments against the better teams on the road. I think the big takeaway from that road trip as a whole was they probably got tired in Orlando on the second of a back-to-back after coming back from 20-plus points down in Miami the previous night and setting themselves up to win, but having that game ripped away from them by Dwayne Wade and, and his heroics late in the game. So I, I think when you look at that, uh, it, it's really the the way the first game played out, I think, impacted the second game. And you see that a lot in the NBA where uh, you know a team will take a bad loss and the bad loss can lead to another loss or sometimes two in, in terms of momentum. That's something the Warriors have for the most part been able to avoid uh, throughout the course of, of, of their championship runs. But uh, the thing that stands out above all, just when you look at the last week and then how it leads towards this week and then that road trip coming up following the three games at Oracle this week, it, it's just the fact that the Warriors seemingly enjoy the tougher challenge. And, you know, they go into Philadelphia, they get down, they're shorthanded without Clay Thompson and without Andre Iguodala. And they just they come back and they figure out a way to get it done. And in a tough environment, they keep fighting. You know, they they keep making plays. Kevin Durant keeps them in the game. Stephen Curry makes big plays down the stretch. They get just enough from DeMarcus Cousins throughout the course of the game as as he went for 20 points uh, for a third consecutive game and and started to find himself, at least offensively, maybe uh, on the road uh, for this Warriors team. But I just go back to the Warriors can win in Philadelphia after losing in Miami or in Orlando. I go back to the fact that there's been teams that have come into Oracle Arena uh, and given the Warriors uh, trouble. I mean, Toronto comes into Oracle Arena and and blows the Warriors out. Uh, When the Warriors play up north of the border, they play shorthanded without Stephen Curry and Draymond Green. And what do the Warriors do? Kevin Durant goes nuts uh, and and Clay Thompson helps out and and the Warriors with the you know, uh, the rest of their bench guys and, and others playing uh, extended minutes, they go in and they play Toronto to an overtime loss uh, up north of the border. Uh, Milwaukee comes into Oracle in November when the Warriors are the hottest team going to start the year 10-1. and one. And Draymond Green's out and Stephen Curry winds up getting hurt late in that game, but Milwaukee puts it on the Warriors in a big fourth quarter. Well, what do the Warriors do? They go into Milwaukee in early December uh, and they handle with a strong defensive effort uh, that Milwaukee Bucks team. Uh, So now you look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia comes into Oracle Arena late January uh, and the Warriors played Philly without Klay Thompson both games but Joel Embiid puts it on the Warriors in the fourth quarter of that game. They struggle and then they go on the road shorthanded and again I know Embiid didn't play for Philadelphia uh, and you have to factor that in just as you'd factor in 
the Warriors and some of their players when when they don't play. But but the reality remains, and you can see it with how the Warriors played the Celtics. And I know the Celtics are going to be uh, in this week at Oracle along with the Nuggets and the Suns. But it's interesting, the Warriors go into Boston, hostile environment, nationally televised game, and it just seems when they have to play buttoned up, when they know they have to be more buttoned up, when they can't turn the ball over as much, when they have to dig in defensively, when they just have to continue to bring it, they bring it. And it goes back to something that that Kevin Durant said yesterday at practice, which I found to be really interesting. That was asking about the defense because a lot's been made of the Warriors' defense of late. Uh, the Warriors' defense, not good. It's the, the lowest defensive rating of, of any team that would maybe go on to win a championship uh, going back to uh, the early 2000s. I mean, we're talking 17, 18 years ago uh, with the Lakers team that, that was in the midst of a three-peat and kind of had to figure out their defense on the fly. Uh, And Kevin Durant had said, yeah, he thinks the defense has been good when it's had to be good uh, down the stretch in games, in some of the games against tougher opponents. And And he sort of threw it out there as he's done a couple of different times. Like, you know, don't worry. Don't worry. The Warriors are going to be fine. The Warriors are going to be fine when they have to be. All you care about is the playoffs anyway around here, right? Uh, and not the regular season. So I, I think there is a, a quiet confidence with this Warriors team that they believe they can get the job done when they have to. And I think they've shown it when you look at just the way that they've played on the road versus the way they played at home. So let's keep an eye on that uh, as the Warriors take on the Celtics and the Nuggets. And the Nuggets are another team that the Warriors haven't played uh, at Oracle Arena yet this year. But again, one of the best performances the Warriors have had this season going into Denver when Denver's got the best record in the Western Conference back in January and the Warriors just buttoned up light the Denver Nuggets up and run them out of their own building and, and assert themselves as you know the, the, the leader and the premier team still, uh, if not in the Western Conference, but in the NBA as a whole. So the home road is, is something that I, I just find fascinating. We'll make sure we ask uh, Warriors associate head coach Mike Brown uh, about that uh, when he joins the podcast. This is the Warriors Weekly Podcast with John Dickinson for 95.7 The Game as we're going to be dropping this pod each and every week. Uh, the day may vary. We're going to try to get it out on Monday, but the interview schedule and the Warriors schedule uh, is going to play a role in that, certainly. Uh, so we're going to drop this one, obviously, uh, on a Tuesday, uh, and, and we'll keep you posted. Uh, social media at JD John Dickinson at 957 The Game, both uh, on Twitter and Instagram. We'll keep you updated and, and send out all the links to this pod uh, once uh, it gets dropped. And again, Again, the focus uh, to be interviews with Warriors players and coaches, and then just a lot of opinion about the hot topics going on with this basketball team uh, and uh, some of the takes from the other 95-7 The Game personalities. All right, our Warriors weekly podcast rolling on, and uh, our guest now is Warriors associate head coach, assistant head coach, birthday boy. It's Mike Brown, whatever you want to call him. Uh, Mike, thanks for uh, joining the, the Warriors weekly podcast. I ain't shoot any time. I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I appreciate you wishing me a happy 32nd birthday. Uh, it feels good to finally turn 32, and uh, I, I think I'm getting a little older as the days move along. And this is, what, the 15th annual 32nd birthday, or are we about the 10th, the 10th annual? Where are we at? Uh, something like that. We just did something like that. <laughs> well, now, now, you got to let everybody know, what, how, now how does Mike Brown celebrate his birthday when you're at home for a week? 
right? And you're coming off the road trip. You got a couple of days off in between games. Now there's no off days, right, for for coaches in the NBA. But but how does Mike Brown celebrate that tenth annual, we'll call it, thirty second birthday? Well, yeah, you know, y'all have seen me out out and about on the town. So uh, if you do see me, uh, we'll celebrate it together. <laughs> uh, fun. You know, you like to have fun, but you're also, you know, you're considered serious as a coach, but you're kind of considered fun as a guy, right, when, you, when you're away from the game. This Warriors team this season, when you talk to fans and you're taking calls and we're doing shows, what you hear a lot is, boy, this Warriors team just doesn't seem like they're having as much fun as they've had in previous years. Now, the 10-1 and one start, and then it was 8-8, eight and eight, and then uh, got on a nice run, and then it's been a little shakier since the All-Star break, but a big win in Philly. How, how do you assess just the fun level of this team throughout the course of this year? Uh, this team still has fun, but what people have to understand that, you know, these guys have played a lot of basketball the last three, four years. And to go through this grind on a daily basis, especially under the microscope that this organization is under, uh, can make it kind of tough from time to time, especially as the years go along. And so, uh, you know, everybody wants to find something new to talk about the Warriors. And that's why uh, we get dissected the way we get because of the success that we've had so far these past few years. But I, I think guys are enjoying the run just as much now as they have before. Now, uh, come playoff time, obviously for us, after winning a lot of regular season games these last few years, uh, you know, the guys' attention uh, will be there a little bit more. Uh, The joy may be even there a little bit more because the season really starts for us then. And uh, so I don't see it as any different as any anytime in the past. Well, you see glimpses of it, too. I mean, I think the game in Philadelphia is gl- is a glimpse of it. The game in Milwaukee that you guys won in December is a glimpse of it. I, I even think the game in Boston in January is a glimpse of it where it those games, you know, to the naked eye, look like playoff games. Now, I know KD likes to, to deny it and say, no, it's just March and all that, and that's fine, but, but you can sense or can you sense the level change in some of those games where you're like, okay, this is what it would look like later on down the line. We've still got it, in essence. At, at, at times, but I think to a certain degree, KD is right. Our guys, uh, especially come playoff time, uh, they're so locked in that, uh, you know, when we're out on the floor, being in this league since 1992, come playoff time, I, I think at times we're almost impossible to beat, you know, and hopefully that carries over uh, to this playoff run, but uh, you know, it's, again, you, if you look at our quote-unquote numbers statistically and analytically, especially on the defense end of the floor during the regular season in the last couple of years, and you compare it to where uh, we finished come playoff time when just the best teams are left, uh, you know, it's almost night and day. And again, it's attributed, I think, to just the the, the grind of a of a lengthy season. And our guys playing a very long time the last three, four years. You know, and on top of that, you know, our, our core guys, not only have they obviously played preseason games and then regular season games and then played a full playoff schedule, but a few of our core guys also, you throw in some Olympic commitments. And that's a lot of basketball in a short amount of time. And, you know, the reality of it is uh, guys need to, pace themselves. They don't need to get too high nor too low throughout the course of the year. Save a lot of that for, for playoff time and, 
and our guys have shown that they're more than capable of doing that. Does there come a point, and we're talking with Mike Brown here uh, on the Warriors Weekly Podcast, does there come a point where you and, and maybe Coach Kerr, you, you worry about the habits almost reaching the point of no return with that? And finding that balance is what I'm saying from you know getting through the regular season, knowing you've got another level to reach, but also maybe developing habits that can be hard to shake even once you get into a playoff series. Yeah, I think that that's probably our biggest job and as as coaches is is to keep coaching keep teaching keep reminding guys of the right way to do certain things offensively and and or defensively without going overboard because these are veteran guys that have been together now for you know a handful of years and they know the right way but you know it's human nature to slip up from time to time in different areas and it's up to us to keep reminding them uh, of what we want and what we expect in those areas that they slip up in so i uh, you know it, it's 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 a process it's a journey it's definitely not something that uh we want to uh, you know make sure that every time we step on the floor uh we're at our 100 percent peak performance because that's not realistic so uh, our guys understand that they got a great feel and they accept whatever we throw at them with uh, open arms. Two guys I want to ask you about here as we wind it down. Jordan Bell and Damian Lee. Now, I know Damian Lee's going back and forth between Santa Cruz, and, and he had a nice game in Philadelphia, but we'll start with Jordan Bell. What, what, if anything, has changed with Jordan Bell, or is it just a matter of the roster composition and the games and the schedule have dictated maybe he gets more of a look and then he's making more of an opportunity you know, with that look? I think the latter. I think, uh, you know, we had a uh, couple of injuries. Not only did we have a couple of injuries, we had a couple of games where we looked a little sluggish and we threw Jordan out there. And, and Jordan's main asset is his ability to bring energy uh, on both ends of the floor, whether it's running in transition, getting a tip dunk uh, off on an offensive rebound, slipping a pin down, getting a lob dunk, or on the other end of the floor, getting a big block, jumping the pass lane, getting a steal, taking a charge. He brings energy or juice to our team uh, when it's most needed. And he's done that ever since he's got started to get minutes, you know, a handful of games ago. And, you know, the bigs we have are all quality bigs. They all can play, as we've seen throughout the course of the year, and give us something. So... When Jordan is playing with the level of energy that he's playing with right now, uh, he's hard to take off the floor because he's long, he's got great feet, and he can guard positions one through five, which is what you need in today's NBA game with the way that offenses are spread and they're playing a lot smaller, quicker guys and guys that are capable of shooting a three. Jordan fits right in when he brings that type of juice. But what does it say about a guy like Damian Lee that, that he can just he could show up? He's you know he's on the freeway heading back and forth. He's here. He's practicing. He's playing in Santa Cruz. Can can show up, join the team, and just just knock down shots. Well, he, the biggest thing is he knows which shots to take and what which ones not to take. And when you have a good feel for that at his size, uh, if you go out and play hard with the group of guys that we have around him you can actually make yourself stand out. And, uh, you know, the, he, he settles a lot of times for catch-and-shoot threes, especially in the corner, and he's going to get those looks because of the attention that Steph and DeMarcus and KD and Clay draw. And as long as he's ready to, to catch and let that thing go, 
as much work as he put in on shooting the ball, uh, we feel confident, as I know he does, that wherever he shoots it from, especially the corners, that shot's going to go in. And then he understands that his thing is to do all the little things, rebound, run the floor, defend, and, and, and do all the little things that can help him stay on that floor with our All-Stars. Final, final question for you, and it, the big fella. Not the big fella that you can't talk about yet. It's coming over from down under, but the big fella, DeMarcus Cousins. Another one of those naked eye versus what the coaches actually see questions for you. It seems like on the road trip and the games that he played, there wasn't as much of a, a conscious effort to, to feed him the ball, to get him involved. He just kind of played, and he's so talented, and you guys are so talented as a squad that if you just play basketball, it almost seems like he could get 14 and 10 or, or more just in the context of, of playing like a lot of other bigs. Uh, is that Am I reading too much into what happened on that trip, or were there some things maybe changed up as to how you're trying to get DeMarcus involved offensively? No, I, I think you hit it on the head. A, a lot of times Steve wants these guys, he's, he gives them concepts offensively, and then he wants them to go out and play within the concepts or the confine of the concepts uh, of our offense. And uh, our guys all have a terrific feel of how to play the game the right way. And because they're so talented, because they're so unselfish, they're more than capable, uh, especially DeMarcus, of putting up a double-double on a night-in, night-out basis. Most of the time, he just played and kind of found his, his rhythm throughout the course of games throughout this road trip. But the one time that we did call his number was against Philly. Joel Embiid wasn't playing. He had a, a, a size advantage over anybody that they tried to have out on the floor guard him. And so we tried to keep him around the basket in a lot of duck-in plays or cross-screen plays to take advantage of those guys trying to play stretch fives that, that are going to sit out on the perimeter and shoot threes. And, and he produced for us. He had a big game for us on the glass. Uh, but more importantly, we obviously needed every single point that he contributed to us in that game. So uh, with him... We'll mix it up. We have some plays where we can go to them, especially when we have an advantage. But for the most part, the way we played these last few years, we give these guys concepts, and they figure out how to get each other good looks throughout the course of a 24-second shot clock. Mike Brown, thanks a lot for the time. Happy birthday. And uh, if you see him around, maybe after the ball game in the Bay tonight, you know, wish him a happy birthday, smile, and, uh, you know, maybe have a good time. And give me that... Uh glass of vodka okay. okay with flat water on the rocks no garnish and we'll we'll be all good i wasn't gonna say it because i didn't know but i appreciate you saying it if you see coach brown out tonight you know what to get him thanks coach great goose <laughs> our thanks to warriors associate head coach mike brown for joining me here on the warriors weekly podcast for 95.7 the game john dickinson with you here as we wrap things up for episode number one of the pod big story of the week a couple of them really but the, the biggest for the warriors is the fact that they've finally reportedly uh, settled on a 15th roster spot uh, and it's an old friend coming back to the golden state warriors andrew bogut uh, set to return from australia once he uh, receives permission from the australian team that, that he's currently playing for their season is complete uh, so expect andrew bogut to be officially signed 
And with the Warriors here, uh, w- within the next week or so, uh, Golden State at home through Sunday, and then they'll hit the road for, for what is uh, going to be a, a lengthy and, and difficult road trip that I mentioned. But uh, all year long, the debate has been big man versus wing player. And what do the Warriors need uh, as far as adding depth and holding open that 15th roster spot? And, and I think... Uh, for the most part, you'd heard the Warriors were much more enamored with with trying to add a big. Robin Lopez was a name that that kept coming out if Chicago uh, would would buy him out, but that uh, failed to to come to fruition. Uh, and Andrew Bogut, a name that sort of came out of nowhere, but when it didn't look like anybody else was going to squirm free like Lopez, he became uh, an option. And and I think you know the the, the decision. And and I've been adamant really throughout the course of the season saying I think the Warriors need a big or, or need a wing player actually more than they need a big man although my my thoughts on that had shifted uh, recently with with DeMarcus Cousins struggles uh, at home before the Warriors went uh, on this most recent road trip to Charlotte and to Miami and to Orlando and then Philadelphia where Cousins had played pretty well and then Kavon Looney goes down and so without Damian Jones you're essentially left with DeMarcus Cousins as the one true body uh, of a center that you really don't want to play more than about 30 minutes a game max at this point as he comes off the Achilles. And then you also have uh, Kavon Looney and, and Jordan Bell. And Jordan Bell essentially had been out of the rotation until maybe about the last 10 days to, to two weeks ago uh, completely before he's played his way you know, back in these last five games or so. But then Kavon Looney comes up with a, with, with a pelvic issue with, with, with some uh, pelvic soreness and and you know uh, some pain he's dealing with uh, and at that point you start to think well wait a minute if the Warriors have one big body in Cousins with that is the prototypical center body and you've got one guy who's more of your small ball center in Jordan Bell and he's been for the most part unplayable throughout the course of the season then I think it 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 you start to just look at the number count, and while maybe you want another wing player that you can trust if you're the Golden State Warriors, uh, in terms of should Iguodala go down, should Livingston go down, the, the sheer reality for the Warriors is they have bodies. Now, they may not be trustable bodies at that wing spot in a playoff series, but they have actual bodies to throw out there, and I think the other thing you have to factor is, look, the Warriors have tons of talent on their roster at the wing and guard positions, whether it's Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, obviously the best three-man maybe in the entire NBA, and then they do still have Iguodala and Livingston, who are for sure rotation players uh, when they're healthy. So my issue was more protect the investment that you have in Livingston and Iguodala. And if one of those guys either is out or has to step into a larger role because one of your star players is out, then you have an extra player that maybe you trust to throw in the game uh, coming off the bench. But the reality is the Warriors still have bodies at those positions. If it's Quinn Cook, if it's Alfonso McKinney, if it's even a guy like Damian Lee who came on uh, in the Philadelphia game uh, and helped stretch the floor and open up the floor uh, with his three-point shooting. So maybe the emergence of Damian Lee, although he's still a two-way player that would need to have a a contract converted and, and somebody would have to be waived, uh, now that Bogut winds up in the mix, I think maybe the way Damian Lee 
has played. You know, he's somebody where the Warriors, at least in the regular season, can use up his days and, and just put him on the roster uh, for the remainder of the regular season as far as, uh, you know, having him be a, a two-way player that can split time between Santa Cruz and Golden State. Because once the Santa Cruz season is over, uh, the 45-day the counter uh, goes away and Damian Lee could just join the Warriors for the rest of the regular season. Now, to be added to the playoff roster, he would need to be... Uh, obviously put in a position uh, where he would have to be, uh, you know, added and then somebody else would have to be taken off or waived uh, from the, the, the 15 now that Bogut is going to take up that 15th spot. So just in terms of sheer bodies, adding another prototypical center body who's familiar with the system, who is a great screen setter, who is a tremendous passer, uh, and somebody that that can you know clog the paint. Uh, although I'm I'm not sure how Andrew Bogut would really do uh, at this point. You know, getting out in the pick and roll. I mean, that was something that he was actually pretty good at uh, at one point in his career. Uh, you know, getting out uh, high a little bit and defending at this stage of his career, coming off some injuries himself. I'm I'm not really sure uh, how Andrew Bogut would, would be able to to handle that. Uh, but he gives you almost an emergency body uh, where, you know, if you're facing a Steven Adams or a Jokic or an Embiid or a Gasol, maybe even a Rudy Gobert, uh, he gives you another body. If DeMarcus Cousins, let's say, picks up two fouls in the first three, four minutes of a game or, or winds up in some kind of foul trouble, you can keep your rotation on schedule. Uh, and that's a big deal uh, for Steve Kerr. Uh, he's essentially playing DeMarcus Cousins the first six minutes of each quarter. Uh, at this point, he's on the court with the start of that second and fourth quarter unit, uh, which is that bench unit with Draymond Green and Clay Thompson uh, and obviously Iguodala and Livingston when those two are healthy. But he's also starting as the starter the first and the third quarter. So he's playing about 24 minutes there. And then the question becomes, does he come in to close out the half for about three, four minutes? And does he come out to close the game for about three or four minutes, or maybe you just extend him uh, and, and play him in a nine-minute stretch instead of a six-minute stretch in the fourth quarter, and then maybe you close with a Hamptons five or a smaller lineup uh, to end the game uh, in the, the final three minutes of the game, and then Cousins still winds up playing uh, around 30 minutes uh, that way. So there's options uh, for Steve Kerr, but I think what it boils down to is just having another similar body type to that of uh, DeMarcus Cousins that, that can be in the fold, uh, that, that is certainly an intelligent player. He knows the offensive and the defensive systems very well uh, for this Golden State Warriors team, so he could almost uh, act as a, a little bit of a coach uh, on the floor, potentially, for this Warriors group. So that's the route they go, and if there winds up being some kind of an injury where Damian Lee has to be added for the playoffs, uh, we saw the Warriors aren't shy as much as they didn't want to have to do it, you know, they've done it the last couple of years, actually. Omri Caspi winds up being waived because the Warriors had to add Quinn Cook last year for the playoff roster. Uh, and then the Warriors uh, had to divert uh, their attention elsewhere two years ago. They were going to sign Jose Calderon and actually did sign Jose Calderon and then waived him. Uh, in order to sign Matt Barnes. And the reason they had to sign Matt Barnes was, of course, because Kevin Durant wound up injured uh, down in in Washington there uh, at the end of February and wound up missing uh, a good chunk of what was 
left of the regular season, but they needed Matt Barnes to to soak up some minutes uh, at that point uh, for this Golden State Warriors team. Warriors Weekly Podcast, John Dickinson with you uh, and going to be with you each and every week as we drop this thing early in the week, typically going to be a Monday or a Tuesday. Reacting to uh, a couple of things here as we start to look toward the playoffs and, and man, the Lakers are in big Big trouble. Uh, you know, I, at one point uh, I had said, uh, I believe on a Warriors This Week show uh, with Matt Steinmetz, we we're kind of breaking down some of the matchups because uh, I think, you know, the Warriors, as they've strained and, and slogged as things have gone on here throughout the course of the regular season, uh, you know, the question always comes up well, how do the Warriors find themselves in trouble potentially uh, in a playoff series? You know, what, what would be the most difficult matchups? And, and for me, the answer is always, and it, and it really has been the last couple of years especially, the answer is always not about an individual matchup. It's not about one team. It's about, is there a group of teams or two, three, four opponents over the course of, let's say, a, a lengthy playoff run if you go all the way to the NBA Finals? Uh, can, did, will the Warriors find themselves in a position where they have to play Four tough matchups, let's say, for them. Uh, and I, I'm looking at you know the Lakers who came into Oracle Arena and looked primed on December 25th before LeBron James got hurt to maybe be as high as a two or a three seed in the Western Conference have just completely fallen apart to the point now where they are 30 and 34 uh, and five games out. They're five and a half games out, which is pretty amazing. Uh, in the Western Conference playoff race right now. Uh, and it, But the Clippers playing well and San Antonio playing better. And even a team like the Sacramento Kings at 32 and 31 as we drop this pod, Sacramento is bet- the first team out right now, and they're still three out uh, of San Antonio and three and a half behind the Clippers, but the, the Lakers would even have to get past Sacramento at this point, uh, and a three-game separation there in the loss column, and, and two and a half overall. Uh, they're they're in trouble to even finish. Now, at this point, the best way to look at the Lakers is they're closer to 11th, 12th, 13th place right now than they are to 8th or, or 7th or making a playoff spot. To bring it back to the Warriors, however, uh, the, the thing that I you know brought up was, you know, I thought a connected you know Lakers team with their length and, and some of their veterans at times it bothered the Warriors I think you know the two games at Oracle Arena the game on Christmas where LeBron played I mean the Warriors were getting hammered by the Lakers LeBron goes out as the Warriors are making their run in that game uh, and then the Warriors the rest of the Lakers dismantled the Warriors in a, in a kind of a stunning fourth quarter uh, and then there's almost a carbon copy of that game back on February the 2nd uh, in another nationally televised game at Oracle where the Warriors were, were running them out and then the Lakers come back. LeBron James doesn't play. We find out 90 minutes before that game and the rest of the Lakers with that length uh, and uh, you know those, those players, uh, some of the veterans just kind of take the game over again. So I think it, it was interesting because uh, the, the Lakers, to me, if they were playing well with LeBron James and some of the young length and athleticism that they have they had some players that really gave the Warriors trouble uh so uh, to me if you were talking about a possibility of 
the Warriors playing a connected and 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 well you know well oiled Lakers team with LeBron James to start the the, the playoffs is let's say a one eight kind of a matchup. And then you start to look at uh, a second round matchup that, that, you know, you've got Houston in that five spot right now, although really three, four, five, and even six at this point, but especially three, four, and five are, are all subject to, to get shuffled around. Uh, and you, you look at it and you're thinking, well, gosh, what if you got to play the Lakers and Houston and then maybe Oklahoma City uh, is, a, is a team that, that is waiting for you in a Western Conference Finals if you get through that. And then, oh, by the way, there's a gauntlet of teams in the East. Eastern Conference, uh, that that final four potentially in the Eastern Conference, if you start talking about Milwaukee and Toronto and Philadelphia and Boston, if that's the way it shakes out, I mean, that you know, one of those teams is going to be tested and playing really well uh, once they reach the NBA Finals. And, and you start to think, well, what if one of those teams has to face a Warriors team that, that, that played through the emotional grind of a Lakers series, the emotional grind of a rematch? Uh, against a, a Rockets team that maybe plays the Warriors still better than anybody in the NBA. And then the emotional grind of, let's say, Kevin Durant has to finally go up against Russell Westbrook in a playoff series with the, the specter of him leaving the Warriors hanging over his and the Warriors' heads, uh, much the way it was hanging over Oklahoma City's heads back in 2016 before the Warriors came back from 3-1 down and, and, and beat uh, Oklahoma City. And then the rest is history as Durant joined the Warriors that summer uh, on the 4th of July. So to me, the emotion of those series and then having to play a Philly or a Boston or a Milwaukee, you know, that may be the kind of thing you look at and it becomes a little bit insurmountable, uh, let's say, for this for this Warriors team. Certainly more difficult, still definitely doable. But you start looking at the, the standings and, you know, the Warriors have been back and forth with Denver. Denver struggling, although they had passed the Warriors again here uh, a couple of days ago. But they've lost uh, consecutive games and, and are struggling a little bit. And the Warriors now have a two-game lead in the loss column. And they can almost put that away with a win, uh, a couple of wins this week as far as the number one spot uh, by beating Boston, let's say, and then beating Denver uh, in Oracle Arena on, on Friday night. But you start to look at you know that eight seed. And let me tell you, if the Warriors get the, the, the bet, the matchup the Warriors would love to get in the first round is San Antonio. Uh, an, an older team, a slower team, uh, a team that the Warriors can just, just outclass uh, and outplay. Uh, if the Warriors at full strength, I know, yes, Popovich and and he's always a factor and those teams are going to be prepared. But to me, uh, you start talking about uh, the Warriors playing the Spurs, uh, even though the Spurs would be in the postseason once again. Uh, what a, a 23rd consecutive year. I think that the matchups overwhelmingly favor the Warriors in its matchup with San Antonio uh, compared to a matchup against the Clippers, Sacramento, or the Lakers. And, and that's not to say that any uh, of those teams could, could really beat the Warriors or, or win more than one game. Of all those teams, the most likely team to win more than one game, uh, the teams that I mentioned, are the Lakers, if they're connected with LeBron James. I don't see Sacramento or the Spurs or the Clippers even beating the Warriors more than once. Uh, and, and San Antonio and Sacramento, I think, would, would struggle to even beat the Warriors one time. Now you start to look at the second round uh, matchups, and it's a 4-5 with Portland and Houston. Uh, Houston in the second round would be no joke. Uh, Portland has played much better of late, and you look at, at Portland's a team that beat the Warriors twice. The Rockets are a team that's beat the Warriors three times. Wouldn't be easy for Houston to get 
past Portland, but should they, that would be a, a heck of a, a second-round series and probably the most difficult second-round series the Warriors would play, certainly since 2015 when they played Memphis and found themselves down 2-1 to one, uh, and then wound up having a win three straight games to take that series and get onto a conference finals against the Rockets. And then uh, you start to look at the, the bo- what would be the bottom half of the bracket, your 2-7, 3-6 matchups, and it's, it's Denver uh, and the Clippers would be a 2-7, Oklahoma City uh, and Utah a 3-6, and not a lock uh, as Utah pulled off an upset of Oklahoma City last year. So you've got that Denver-Oklahoma City-Utah line, let's say, uh, at the bottom of that bracket as to one of those three teams likely coming out. Uh, and, and I think, again, Oklahoma City, uh, they play up to their opponent, uh, but they also play down to their opponent. So uh, you know, Oklahoma City could you know, lose to a Utah or the Clippers, uh, where, you know, but they could also you know, beat uh, a team like the Rockets if they wound up, let's say, in a 4-5 matchup against them and, and, and give Golden State a, a bigger run. Denver, I, I really like, and I think they deserve to be commended for the season that they've had. Whether they wind up 2 or 3, they're kind of locked into 2 right now. Uh, they're a team that I think you know, is going to have to really earn their first-round series and I think a second-round series with Oklahoma City, uh, you know, maybe with some of the experience of Westbrook and, and, and Paul George having a terrific year. That's going to be a tough series. But I wouldn't rule Denver out even against Oklahoma City because the Thunder tend to be a weird team. Uh, again, they're almost more likely to beat a better, more experienced team than they are to beat uh, a team that, that maybe doesn't have uh, that experience. But something to keep an eye on. It looks like the Warriors won't have to face the Lakers uh, in the first round of the playoffs because the Lakers are, are all but done. Likely a San Antonio or the Clippers matchup, which I think are probably uh, the most favorable or at least significantly more favorable. Then you got to keep an eye on Houston. Do they drop to six? Do they move maybe all the way up to three, which would get them out of that second round uh, you know, potential matchup? But yeah, Houston Warriors second round series. That's about as tough as it uh, possibly could get. All right, uh, that's going to do it for the first edition of the Warriors Weekly Podcast, Episode 1 with John Dickinson. Again, uh, please uh, enjoy throughout the course of the, the remainder of the regular season and on into the playoffs as we're going to get uh, to a lot of Warriors coaches and players, and we're also going to bring in some 95.7 The Game personalities, uh, including Episode 2 coming up next week. So thanks to Mike Brown for joining the pod. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Uh, John Dickinson for the Warriors Weekly Podcast. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.